This program is brought to you by the partners of A Root Awakening International. Help others find truth. Support A Root Awakening International today. Ancient Israel's judicial system is surprisingly similar to modern American law. The same structure was used from the top judges all the way down to the police officers. Even the same paperwork was required. In this thought-provoking episode, Steve Seifkin explains how man has manipulated God's law and suggests how we can get back to the Almighty's way. Because it's the end of the sixth day, the sun is set. And this is Shabbat Night Live. Well, there you are, Shabbat Shalom Torah fans. Welcome to Shabbat Night Live with Michael Root. Some people would have you believe that the laws for crime and punishment in the Bible were barbaric. Thank goodness we don't have to do that anymore, they say. Well, little do those people realize that the Torah was actually the model for the American judicial system. The fourth of five episodes in our series with Steve Seifkin is coming up tonight. This one is all about law and order. Speaking of keeping things in order, let's take a look at where we are on the calendar. It's a new month, the new moon was seen earlier this week, and we are now on the first Shabbat of the fifth month, which is in the middle of summer, and that creates a problem for us here at Root Awakening. Well, not a problem, maybe a solution. And it's something that you may be in a position to help us with, that's why I've asked Ted Clayton, our CEO, to explain what's going on. Hi, Ted. Hi, Scott. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for being here with us for Shabbat Night Live. You know, the last couple of weeks we've explained how in the summer people forget uh, to donate to ministries yes. and, and that type of thing. But one of the best ways to do that is with our love gift. And I tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, right now we have one of the best love gifts we've had. And Scott, tell us about this teaching this Stephen did. This is really interesting. Yeah, so this is Steve Seifkin, same mm -hmm. guy who's doing the teaching tonight. Right. It's where does communion come from? Mm -hmm. So communion was not something new that our Messiah invented, which right. a lot of churches just sort of assume. Right, uh, right. Nor is communion the Passover, which a lot of people assume. Right, right. right. <laughs> so the big question is, what is it? Yeah. Uh, so Steve Seifkin presents, where does communion come from? A step-by-step -step examination of ancient cultures, biblical references, and extra-biblical texts that will give you a refreshing perspective on what communion is and what it is not. So it's really interesting that this comes from all kinds of cultural things around the Bible that we don't actually see in the Bible. And so Steve has done the homework for us to explain where does communion come from. And so this is a gift for $50 or more. Michael always likes to say, you know what, if people wanna to give to this ministry, I wanna give something back. This is the gift for this month. It is so good, whether you've been um, uh, you know, a Torah observant believer for 10 years or if you're just starting out, this is a really good question that I never thought about before. Really cool teaching. And, and you know what, ladies and gentlemen, also one of the things I'd like to recommend is you go to the Root Store, mm -hmm. the Root Awakening Bookstore, as it were, and look at all the teaching materials Michael has there. You know, one of the big things that uh, Michael used to always say when people would ask questions about this thing or that or, uh, you know, the kiddish or, or whatever, is go to my material 
It's mm -hmm. all there. Yeah. And so, ladies and gentlemen, the material is there in the bookstore, and it's for you to get. It's wonderful material. Matter of fact, I've never seen such a comprehensive uh, set of materials except what Michael has done here, and it is fabulous. It's fabulous. But also, you can go to the michaelrood.tv app and just go through teaching after teaching. There is literally hundreds of hours worth of teaching on the michaelrood.tv app. It's real simple to find. Just go to your uh, iTunes store and look for michaelrood.tv or go to the Google Play app. And it is, by the way, it was kind of broken there for a while on Android devices, but it's back and even better than it was before. So you can't go wrong uh, with going into the Michael Rood TV app and finding some of the best teachings on the Bible that there are right there on that app. But Scott, we've got other things here yeah, to absolutely. talk about. So yeah, so those are all, by the way, good ways to support the ministry. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's not just donations. Absolutely. You want to get the love gift, you want to do the, the MichaelRood.tv app, it's free for two weeks, but after sure. that, it's a small subscription. Absolutely. That's the way... It, it's less than 33 cents a day. Oh, really? To be on the Michael Rood TV okay. app. It's absolutely fabulous. But there's some something else fabulous yep. right here. Yep, absolutely. So the, for the gift of $50 or more, of course, you get Steve yeah. Stevens teaching right, as a gift. Right. And then for a gift of $100 or more, we're also gonna give you, so the teaching and this tote bag and stainless steel water bottle gift. Uh, we always talk about the name of Yehovah a lot. Yeah. It's scanned from the Aleppo Codex. You've seen that on lots of Rude Awakening yeah. stuff. We decided, you know what? Let's start doing something with the name of Yeshua. Yeah. So this is not scanned from anything. It's just the name of Yeshua in Hebrew and of right. course in English. What a great conversation starter. And you can use this for, like I think you mentioned it a couple weeks ago, Ted, uh, for shopping. You can bring this as, uh, as your bag to Shabbat right. or whatever. Well, I, I yep. like it going hiking. Oh, there you go. Because you yep. can you can bring your water with you, you can bring your food with you, you can bring your Bible with you, yep. you can take your chronological gospels uh, in your bag and just go somewhere and just commune with nature, as they say, and just just be with God. You and know, your cell phone for when God. you get lost. That's right. <laughs> bring bring your right ham radio with you because if you get lost, you're going to need to communicate with somebody. There you go. Bring your ham radio. Yeah, that's, that's right. Absolutely. Uh, by the way, you're, you and Don are still doing that every Tuesday, right? That's okay. right. Okay. Every Tuesday we have the Messianic Net. It's on 14.275 megahertz, and it's at uh, 8 o'clock at night Eastern time. Don't miss it. If you have a ham radio license, general class or above, we would love Love to have you there with the Messianic Net. And oh, by the way, Don is going to be teaching another technician class for Ham Radio very soon. Stay on the website to get more information about how you can get your Ham Radio license. And if there is ever a disaster, if... Huh. Yeah, when, if, when, <laughs> when there is a disaster, you will be prepared to communicate with your friends and family through ham radio. So that's coming, so stay tuned to that. Okay, very good. Now, and, we'll, and go, there, now we'll come back to the love gift. Yeah, there's one more thing. <laughs> you know, for your gift of $300 or more, ladies and gentlemen, you can have this beautiful sculpture uh, that says at the bottom, he guides, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. And the, and the inscription on the sale reads, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will 
in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. This is absolutely beautiful, ladies and gentlemen. I, I would put this on my desk, in my coffee, on a coffee table in my living room, and have people ask, where did you get that? And what is the meaning of that scripture? And you can share your faith with, with your friends and family. And it's a it's hefty wonderful. little thing. Oh, too. it's one. Yeah, it's it's solid. I mean, yeah. it's heavy. Yeah. All right. So, oh, and by the way, we, we must not forget, we have a summer of savings. Speaking of all the different ways you can support oh, the yeah. ministry, there's actually a summer of savings going on right now. There, we, there's a new deal every 10 days. Yep. There's the new deal. It just started uh, today, I guess. On right there it is right there. Yeah. And that's gonna go on for the next 10 days and uh, a super right. way to support the ministry as well. Thanks, right. Scott. Thank you. All right, ancient Israel's judicial system is surprisingly similar to modern American law. In fact, the same structure was used, but somewhere we went a little sideways. So tonight, Steve Steve can explain how America's founding fathers used the Torah to develop the judicial system and how we can get back to that. So stay tuned for that and don't go anywhere because Michael Root is next with the Kiddush. Communion was not something new that our Messiah invented, nor is communion the Passover. So what is it? The disciples asked the Messiah, where shall we go to prepare the Passover? The Passover. He's talking about the preparation day. So that's where communion is. That's what the Lord's Supper is, is the preparation day. Steve Stiefkin presents, Where Does Communion Come From? A step-by-step -step examination of ancient cultures, scripture references, an extra-biblical text that will give you a refreshing perspective on what communion is and what it's not. Where Does Communion Come From is our gift to thank you for supporting A Rude Awakening International. When you donate $50 to this ministry in July, we'll send you Where Does Communion Come From with Steve Siefkin on DVD or Blu-ray. Donate $100 and we'll send you Where Does Communion Come From? Plus a matching tote bag and stainless steel water bottle set bearing the name of Yeshua in both English and Hebrew. Donate $300 and we'll send you the teaching, the tote bag and stainless steel water bottle set, plus a tabletop sculpture of a sailboat, engraved with a scripture verse from Proverbs chapter three. These gifts are a limited time offer from Michael Rood to thank you for your support. Make your donation today and receive the $50 gift, the $100 gift, or the $300 gift. Get these exclusive thank you gifts when you make a donation to support A Rude Awakening International only in July. Call 888-766-3610 or get your gifts online with a donation at monthlylovegift.com. The Chronological Gospels Bible is changing lives all over the world putting everything the Messiah did in exact chronological order and explaining the behind-the-scenes truth of what the Messiah did, when He did it, and why. The timing of it all means everything. And now, the Chronological Gospels can be easier on your eyes. The larger print edition features 40% larger type, and every page appears exactly the same as the original so you can follow along with others who have the regular size version. The Chronological Gospels Larger Print Edition also has wider margins to write notes, 
and the premium quality paper means you can highlight without soaking through. Plus, the larger print edition lies flat, so you can teach without having to hold the book open. The Chronological Gospels Larger Print Edition is a big and beautiful coffee table book, measuring a full 12 inches tall and 9 inches wide. Study the Bible with clarity and ease. I love the size of this book. This is nine by 12. The paper is, is perfect because it doesn't bleed through when I write on it. I can mark it up and I always make notes in all my Bibles. Everything is the same place as it is on the smaller version and I can just stand back and I can teach from it and it's just, it's the perfect size. I pray thee, of whom speaks this prophet? Order the Chronological Gospels Larger Print Edition by phone or online. You'll get 40% larger type than the original. Call 800-788-7887. That's 800-788-7887. Or get the Chronological Gospels Bible Larger Print Edition online at arudeawakening.tv slash large. When Yeshua fed the 5,000 with leaven barley loaves in the Galilee, the Pharisees came down on him because they accused him that he and his disciples did not wash their hands before they ate bread. They did not wash their hands with a negel vesser and say this prayer, blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctified us by your commandments, commanding us concerning the washing of hands. Why didn't Yeshua do that? Why didn't his disciples follow that? Because it is takanot. It is a law which they invented and Moses said no one is ever allowed to add to or subtract from. But the night of the Last Supper, Yeshua took bread and he put in place a rehearsal that was really put in place by the Kohen Gadol, the high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek himself brought forth bread and wine to Abraham. And Yeshua interpreted that very thing. Barukata Yehovah Elohenu Melech HaAlam Hamotzi Lechem Miharetz. This is what Yeshua put in place, that before we eat bread, that we say this prayer. And as often as we do this, we do it in remembrance of him because his broken body was broken for us and by his stripes we were healed. So as often as we do this, as often we do it in remembrance of him. And Yeshua took the cup and he said, Barukata Yehovah Elohino Malachalam, Barei Pri Hagafen, the creator of the fruit of the vine, Yehovah created the fruit of the vine. He said, this represents the renewed covenant in my blood. As often as you do this, do this, remember me, and remember, I will be drinking this with you at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Shabbat Shalom. Over the last few weeks, we've learned a lot about the sacrificial system, a lot of stuff I didn't know, didn't realize some of the things we've been learning from Steve Siefkin, and now he's back to talk more about the sacrificial system as it relates to the judicial system in ancient Israel. 
Yes, and this this is probably the primary purpose. Save the best for last. It's it's the main purpose of the sacrificial system in the temple is the judicial system. Uh, it's basically the sin and trespass offering. And um, excited to share it. I think it's interesting information. It's probably not going to be much of a surprise. Um, except for probably the altar of incense. I'm mm. going to go somewhere a little different than most people would. Okay. But I think people will like it. It's, it doesn't change anything, but I'm going to add to it. Now, this is the, the mandatory sacrifice. Yes. This is the one that was... Yes, and I was going to do a quick review of that. Sure. I had four purposes. The first one's a judicial system. That's the sin and trespass offering. We talked about the hospital already. That was a type of cleansing offering is what they did for the sick. Uh, we didn't go into detail about that, but uh, the cleansing offering was a type of sin and trespass offering. So we're going to go over the sin and trespass offering today. Food regulations, peace offering and grain offering. And then there was a bank. I zipped through that last time, yeah. but I hope that came across like I wanted it to, that people can see that it was a bank or a treasury for a nation. That's very interesting, yeah. Uh, today I want to talk about the judicial system and how it functioned in the temple. So again, there were five offerings, the burn offering, meat and meal offering, peace offering, sin offering, and trespass offering. This is critical, I think, for people to understand. Two of them were voluntary, the meat and the peace offering. They were food regulation. You didn't have to do it. It wasn't, no one's going to make you. Two of them were compulsory. That's the sin and trespass offering. If you were guilty, someone's going to make you do it. It's required. It's not optional. The burnt offering can be both, and we kind of explained that before, depending on the contract you're going to ratify. Three of them are for atonement, but it's kind of a different kind of atonement. The sin and trespass offering are atonement for sin. It's a covering for sin. That's what the word atonement means. The burnt offering... It's an atonement also. It's a covering. Mm. When we understand the word not through religious eyes, atonement has a lot of religious overtones to it. We immediately automatically think you know, expiatory for sin or something like that. It, it wasn't always used that way. I, I believe, and I might, someone might correct me on this, but it, I think it's the word used for the pitch on the ark that Noah built. Mm. It's, it's a covering. It, it, it's related to that word in some way. So that, that's what this word means. It's a covering. So the burnt offering, the temple has your contract covered. It's notarized, and they've got your back to make sure that you're good to go. Mm. And that's all that saying. The sin and trespass offering, it's a different type of atonement. It's a, it, it is expiatory for sin. Um, but remember, sin just means crime. It means you broke a law. Now what? Mm. So we got to look at it through national eyes. Okay, and finally, there's two that were not for atonement. And I tried to dispel the myth that they're all the same thing and for the same purpose because they're just not. And uh, I think it's really important to understand that. So the tabernacle is a judicial system, which means it's designed to enforce God's law. Okay, the high priest servant was its police. Remember the guy that cut off the ear or Peter cut his ear off, mm -hmm. Malchus? He was the high priest servant. When found guilty of a crime or a sin, you would appear before the judge. The judge was the priest. That was their role. One Makes of their sense. jobs was a judge. While awaiting trial, the criminal or sinner would be sent to jail or ward, as the Bible puts it. So you can see, and they put him in ward that the mind of Yehovah might be showed unto them. We do the same thing. 
Hmm. We put people in jail until they await trial. If, if need be, a judge will make that determination. The trial was always with witnesses, and that's in the Bible, at the mouth of two or three witnesses, or at the, um, the, every matter shall be established. And the trial was always before the congregation as a jury. So the congregation would hear the trial and listen to witnesses, facts, and evidence and basically make a decision. So the temple's like a courtroom. That's, that's what it was. It was a courtroom. Early on in the tabernacle, I think that courtroom was the holy place. As it got bigger and bigger, now we got the Sanhedrin in part of the temple. It's not necessarily in the holy place. But the temple, the tabernacle only had one tent that we know of. I mean, maybe right. there were more, but they met either in the outside court or in the holy place. The sin offering was the penalty for breaking God's law. It was for sins of ignorance. So you commit a crime and you didn't know it. You know, this would be like a car accident today. You, oops, I messed up it, or I busted into your fence or something like that. You didn't intentionally do it, but you just, you messed up and you, you broke the law and now you know you owe a sin offering. Uh, it's for any of God's commandments. So it doesn't matter which commandment it is. You break that one, you owe a sin offering. It was only done when the sinner was found to be guilty. And that, to me, this is key. Leviticus 4 is the sin offering chapter. Every time it says, and are guilty. And is guilty. And is guilty. You have to be found guilty before you owe the sin offering. What does that mean happened? That there was a trial. There was a trial, yeah. This means a trial took place. It was probably in the holy place. That's my guess at the time of the tabernacle. By the time we get to the Messiah's day, they've got a big Sanhedrin built, and they've just grown, and they obviously had to. Um, if it wasn't in the holy place, it was probably right outside the tent, or it was at the gate of the city. Hmm. We've talked about that a little bit and hinted at it. I'm going to try to explain that better in the next episode. But uh, it's not really for now. Moses set this up in Exodus 18. This is where he set up the priesthood. Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people, able men such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. And let them judge the people at all seasons. And it shall be that every great matter they shall bring unto you, but every small matter they shall judge. Hmm. This is a tiered judicial system. That goes all the way up to a to Supreme temple, Court. To a Supreme Court, yes. Mm. It, well, where's the lower tiers at? <laughs> That's what we don't mm. get a lot of details from the scripture from. But it's clearly a tiered system. Now, this time, it's not the Levites yet. It's the right. elders. And then God changed it to the Levites. So, but it's the same system. Right. Well, it's like not, you know, America started somewhere. We didn't have a, a, oh. a multi-tiered judicial system with the 12 colonies. I yeah, mean, it just it, it started exactly. somewhere. It, you have to start somewhere and there's room for growth. And uh, that's or, just key. We can't Or 13 compare, colonies. Sorry, I said 12 <laughs> colonies. <laughs> we, we can't compare ourselves always to when we started. We have to do things differently. There's no way around it. There's yeah. just no way around it. So, you know, people sometimes say, oh, there's no traffic laws in the Bible. Yeah, well, we kind of need some. <laughs> I yeah. mean, we, we do. I mean, as long as they don't break God's law, that's okay. And right. it, there's there's got to be room for growth for stuff like that. So it was always at the mouth of two witnesses, must be found guilty. We've already kind of gone over that. And before the congregation as a jury. So that's the sin offering. It's for ignorant sins, sins where you didn't know what was going on. You didn't realize you were making a mistake. The trespass offering, though, it's the penalty for breaking God's law. 
it's for sins of ignorance. So Leviticus 5 is the trespass chapter, mm -hmm. trespass offering. It's for sins of ignorance. But it's also for sins of intent. And I've heard from several people say, well, there's no offering for sins of intent. And they're right. It doesn't say sins of intent. But just read these. If a soul sin and commit a trespass against Yehovah and lie unto his neighbor and that which was delivered to him to keep or in fellowship or in a thing taken away by violence or has deceived his neighbor, these are sins mm. of intent. They're purposeful sins. Right. It's not like I accidentally took your car by violence. How do you do that? <laughs> you can't, I accidentally you can't. deceive you. Yeah. <laughs> How do you do that? It's just not possible. Right. So when people say there's no offering for a sin of intent, it, it's just not true. Mm. It doesn't say it's a sin of intent. Just It'll say it's a sin of ignorance, but it doesn't say a sin of intent. But there's clearly sins of intent. The trespass offering can be for sins of ignorance or sins of intent. It's for any of God's commands. So it doesn't matter which one. It's just a heftier level of a crime, mm. you know. So we we do like misdemeanors and felonies, and it's kind of the same thing. Only done when the sinner is found to be guilty. Throughout these chapters, says the same thing. Yet he is guilty, and he is guilty. So obviously, that means a trial happened, just like before. But the difference here is it carries punitive damages. It's always after the shekels of the sanctuary. So the priest is going to. Um, they owe a ram without blemish with thy estimation by shekels of silver after the shekel of the sanctuary for a trespass offering. Hmm. So on top of the offering, you also owe punitive damages. Right. The priest gets a portion of that and the person you damaged gets the bulk of it. I mean, we, we do the same stuff today in America. We just don't do the offering part. Right. And it's really just a payment. They paid in real property. Yeah, so you pay the attorney, and then the rest of the settlement goes to the... Yes, absolutely. Yeah. They would get the offering as a payment, and they'd also get part of, for the trespass offering, they'd also get, I think it's a fifth part of the estimation they make for punitive damages. Uh, four times for a misdemeanor is restored, and five times is for a felony. This comes from Exodus when you mm. steal. You know, it all depends on how much or how what value it is. Today we just call it misdemeanors and felonies. But if it if it's a large crime, it's a felony, and you're going to get a harsher penalty. If it's a smaller crime, you're going to get a misdemeanor, and it's much lesser of a penalty. Right. That's the sin offering and the trespass offering. It is just a judicial system. That's all they did is uh, you owed the fine. The sin offering and trespass offering hmm. are a fine. And the trespass offering is a fine with punitive damages. The priests in the congregation were to offer a bull. And the rulers and commoners are to offer a kid goat. Just like in the New Testament, God has always had a standard, uh, higher standard for leaders. The same is true in the New hmm. Leaders have a higher standard. He did the same thing in the sacrificial system. I wonder if that's where the apostles got this from. It probably is. Interesting, yeah. In fact, the New Testament is, a bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober. You know, if you go through the list for an elder, they're almost the same list of the requirements for a priest. Yeah, now, I've noticed that before. Yeah, that, that's, that's not surprising. The same person wrote them. I right. mean, it really makes sense, but... You can really connect the eldership in the New Testament to mm -hmm. the Old Testament priesthood. The leaders shall offer a male, and the commoners shall offer a female. 
You can substitute two doves or a pigeon for the poor, or you can substitute a tenth part of an ephah of flour if you're poor. Substitutions are based on financial uh, ability. The phrase, if he be not able, tells you it's based on how much you can pay. Right. Right? God is gracious to the poor even during times of sin. But what I don't know whether you noticed or not, but this isn't always a blood sacrifice. Right there it says commoners can substitute a tenth part of an ephah of fine flour. Right. I thought it said without the shedding of blood. Hmm. Well, that's what I want to answer next time. Okay. Because Hebrews, Hebrews 7 through 10 is talking about a very specific sacrifice. It's not talking about all of them. We make the mistake of lumping them all together. And it's definitely not talking about the meal offering because that wasn't even blood. So that one's automatically out. So we can't lump those together. But it's talking about a very specific one. Um, the offering shall be without blemish. Blemishes are explained in Leviticus 22. We, uh, I've heard so many people say it's got to be perfect. No spots on it. And they're talking about the hair colors and all this stuff. And it's really not that. You look at the list in Leviticus 22, it's pretty clear. Blind, broken, or maimed. Do you want to eat a blind, broken, or a maimed animal? Nope. Neither do I. Discharged. Do you want one with a running issue? Scurvy or scabs? <laughs> This is the list for blemishes that the Bible gives. Deformed or missing its parts. Bruised, crushed, broken, or cut. Any physical damage. Are these the kind of animals you want to eat? Right. No, it, God's just given us common sense. Hey, don't eat these animals. Anything that has a blemish. He gave us the list in Leviticus 22. We need to connect the dots and realize that's what he's talking about. He's not talking about it's got to be perfect. He's talking about, does it have something that's going to make it of less quality to eat? These are all unhealthy animals and unfit to eat. So, that, I mean, even for the, the sin and trespass offering, the priest is eating it. He gets a portion. It's got to be fit. They're, they're regulating it just like the peace and meal offering. They're making sure that it's fit to eat. Yep. And all the way through all the offerings. It's just, it's just amazing how much sense God makes. He really does. So they shall bring the offering to the door of the tabernacle. And this is where I want to explain something. I think it's this slide. At the door of the tabernacle, they kill the offering, right? They put their hands on the head. I don't think there's anything religious about that. You always hear they're identifying with it. I don't think it's that. If you've ever butchered an animal, you grab it by the horns and mm. you, you cut its neck. And um, it's not always a pleasant picture to talk about it, but... It's just, this is just a description of what you do. That's why it's in the same phrase. Shall lay his hand upon the bullock's head and kill the bullock. It's all part of the same phrase. It's not something religious or ritual in any way. The priest shall dip his fingers in the blood and sprinkle it seven times before the veil. This sprinkling is very fascinating to me to connect to what we do in America. The priest shall put some of the blood at the horns of the altar of incense. And then he's going to put the rest of the blood at the base of the brazen altar. That's just to, as a drainage. So the sprinkling of blood, I was fascinated to connect this to our modern law books. It always went before the veil. This sin was to be brought before God again on the Day of Atonement. I think that's what this is representing. Mm. You'd go bring it right before the altar of incense, before the veil. All year long, sin offerings would be happening. 
I'd be charged with a crime, found guilty, I'd have to do my sin offering, blood before the veil. Only for the sin offering. Hmm. Someone else, same thing, blood before the veil. Then on the Day of Atonement, they did something unique. But that's not what I wanted to get at. But the horns of the altar of incense, blood on the horns signify that your prayers were not answered. You know how we talk about the incense hmm. is the prayers of the saints? Yes. What is prayer? If you look up that word, it's something different than we think. Prayers in modern law are pleadings. You know, the Hebrew word is the same. The definition of tefillah is the same definition as pleading. Hmm. And we don't recognize that. That part of a bill which asks for relief. You're going to court. You're asking for relief. Say, hey, I'm not guilty. That's what pleading is in court. Some definitions, pleadings. The former entry of the defendant's defense on record. Prayer is tefillah, intercession, supplication, prayer. That's what you're doing. You're interceding. A supplication is a request asking for forgiveness. Right. For I'm not guilty or your defense. It's your defense on the record. When your blood goes on the altar of incense, it's basically saying you lost in trial, you were found guilty, your prayers were not accepted. Your pleading was not accepted. Mm. Look what we call it today. Prayer has always meant pleadings, even in our law today. This is Bovier's Law Dictionary. Plea and bar is one which shows some ground for barring or defeating the action and makes prayer to that effect. Mm. Even to this day in our modern law, pleadings are called a prayer for relief. Right. Prayer and plea are synonyms. They're the same word. And that's what I think they were doing because this offering is going to be taken care of on the Day of Atonement, wiped clean. And I know you know a mm. little bit about that, but I'll give you a hint. That's what the day, uh, Hebrews 7 through 10 is talking about. Mm. That's the offering. And it, it changes how you see some things when you start to make that connection. Well, in traffic court even, we have that, uh, <laughs> which happened to me, uh, prayer for judgment. Is that what it's called? Yeah, the okay. prayer for judgment, which is basically lessening your uh, what you were accused of and saying, okay, we'll give you a break. You can have the lesser wow. See, uh, penalty. I, I didn't know that. I'm glad you yep. brought that up. I just, I'm fascinated by finding, finding religious words in our law book. They're all over the place in it, hmm. all over the place. My wife was just telling me, she was teaching online. She shared some of the old, like 50, 100 years ago, some of the... Uh, what do they call them? The uh, speeches some of our government people gave and just how often they use the word covenant instead of contract. Mm. Covenant, covenant. We read covenant today. It's religious. Right. It wasn't to them a hundred years ago. It's just my right. contract. But we see it today. Covenants all over our law books. So the rest of the blood was at the base of the brazen altar to dispose of a toxic substance. But it's that prayer, that pleading that I think this is all about. The alt altar of incense was the prayers of the saints, the pleadings of the saints. Hmm. It's, it's the forgiveness process. You were found guilty, which is why it's right before the veil. And that needs to be brought before Yehovah. And he's going to take care of it. Okay, very good. So we have more, right? Yes, So absolutely. we'll hang on and you hang on too. Thank you for joining us. And it's because of your support. We can do this, and so we ask for your support again so we can show this to others in the future. We'll give you a couple minutes to do that, and we'll be right back. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Shabbat Night Live, and thank you for your support. And we were talking about the judicial system, and there's more to talk about here uh, in addition to traffic law and everything else we talked about. <laughs> so uh, what else do we have on this topic? Well, I've got a, an old presentation. I probably made this in like 2009, okay. 10, um, just to try to connect 
the sacrificial system in the Bible to America and just show some similarities that are just kind of blew my mind when I discovered them. And um, it, it, you can tell it's older, but it's, um, it, it, some people have told me, wow, that helped clarify a lot of things that okay. I just didn't recognize that, uh, that we're doing that really matches the sacrificial system. Hmm. And, um, you know, hopefully I can share that and see. As so. astray as our country may seem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of course, this is where the way, you're talking about the way we uh, founded this country. I mean, that's. Yes, we, we've changed quite a bit from when we started. And, you know, Israel did the same thing. We've been talking about right. that. It wasn't mm -hmm. the same at the beginning as it was at the end. And many times in between were great times. Sometimes in between were really bad times. You know, it, it's, it, it's, we need to learn from that and fix where we're at. Fix right. America. Fix God commanded us to keep his commandments. And that's what we need to do. Yep. And so uh, there's just many misconceptions about the sacrificial system in the scriptures. So many people just think it's like a, a barbaric system to appease gods, and it, it's it's really not that at all. I've been trying to explain how um, it's just the way government regulates their nation, and we don't see it. The difference between one temple and another is which law you're practicing or whose law you're practicing. Right. And And that's the most important part, not the little details. Solomon changed the tabernacle quite a bit. He made a temple and it wasn't the same. And it just changed so much. So I would like to share that, uh, just uh, compare, will you, the sacrificial system of the scriptures to the sacrificial system of America. Okay. And uh, I say that that way to make people go, huh, what's he talking about? But uh, that's what I want to do. I don't think that's what the scriptures teach. So this is the sacrificial system of America. You might be surprised to hear that we practice the same sacrificial system here in America today. Hmm. Hard to believe, right? So here in America, we have a law. You're familiar with it. It's called the United States Constitution. That constitution is supported by various statutes, like the United States Code, and many judgments, like U.S. court decisions, right? We have mm -hmm. that all the time. The Bible is exactly the same. The Bible has a law called the Ten Commandments, located inside the Ark of the Covenant. To the side of it are various statutes and judgments, like the statutes placed on the side of the Ark and the many Hebrew court decisions. Hmm. We're doing the same thing so far. It's not a whole lot different. Yeah, you're right, yeah. In America, the person responsible to enforce the law is called the police. In the Bible, the person responsible to enforce the law is the high priest servant. That's the guy that arrested the Messiah. Remember, he cut mm -hmm. off his ear? We mentioned mm -hmm. it last time, I think. He's, you know, it's just, it's the same system. It's the high priest servant versus the police, but it's, it's the same system. Our high priest is our judicial branch, and they employ the police. The police bring them to the judicial branch. Mm. In fact, the high priest servant, the high priest is the judge. The prosecuting attorney brings criminals to the judge for trial, and the police work for the prosecuting attorney to get the criminals. If you've ever watched Law & Order, you see this in action every day. Right, yeah. Right? You watch the district attorney come and get on the play. Hey, what are you guys doing? Go get, you know, you can't do it. You did it wrong. I've watched that show a long time ago over and over again. And they would battle back and forth because the police worked for the district attorney. The district attorney worked for the judge. 
and there was that hierarchy. Mm-hmm. And it, we have the same system, exact same system as what the Bible had. Mm. They did the same stuff. In fact, well, if you committed a crime, you were a criminal. So if you broke a law, you're called. It's called a crime. If if you um, committed a crime, you're called a criminal. That's what America says. In the Bible, it's the same thing. They just use the word sin. If you break the law, it's called a sin. Bible straight out defines it that way. It's a sin. Right. And sinners are called, or those who commit sins are called sinners. It's We have the same thing. We're just using different words. In America, when you commit a crime, you might be arrested. They did the same thing in the Bible. Stephen was arrested by the Jewish leaders in Acts chapter mm-hmm. six. Yeshua was arrested. <laughs> it, it's no different. We, <laughs> right. we do the same stuff today. It's a judicial system tiered from the judge, the, the priest, all the way down to the attorneys, all the way down to the mm-hmm. police. And interestingly enough, so we might say, oh, well, in the Bible, they did things much more righteously. And today, our whole judicial system is corrupt. Well, same thing with Yeshua. Yeah. That, that was not a, a proper arrest. That was not a proper trial, a midnight trial. No, you, it, know, you know, like it's. We have to stop making the assumption that Israel needed to be perfect because they weren't. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at Samuel. His sons did not walk in his footsteps. Right. They were the Levites, they were the judicial system. They became corrupt as early on as Samuel. So I, our problem is we assume Israel was supposed to be perfect or. The only time it's going to be perfect is when the Messiah is running it during the millennium. Right. That's it. Every other time, it's not going to be perfect. How close can we get? That's what we should be doing, right? How close can we get? I think America was pretty close. We were doing a pretty good job. Maybe not as good as Israel and some uh, King David and Josiah and Solomon, but we were pretty close. I'd like to go back to that. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, but it, it's the same system. Nothing new under the sun. No. <laughs> In America, before you are arrested, the prosecuting attorney will ask for a bench warrant from the judge. So you go to a bench warrant or go to the judge and get a bench warrant so you go and arrest someone. Paul did the same thing. In the Bible, the apostle Paul sought letters from the high priest to persecute or ah, prosecute okay. the believers. So you look at these letters he got, that's basically what we call a bench warrant today. Because the Apostle Paul, he was a lawyer who studied under Gamaliel. We need to look at the word law as meaning law. He was a lawyer. He was a prosecuting attorney. He would, but That's what he'd be called, what we'd call a prosecuting attorney. That's what he was. Mm-hmm. He studied under Gamaliel. That's like the Harvard Law. Yeah, I, he was a good one. He yeah, was, he's... Yeah. Top-notch, best lawyer in town, and Paul was his apprentice. Hmm. And so what do you think Paul was? A lawyer. And he got letters to go prosecute. We see that word persecute and think something different than what it was. It's true. They persecuted people, and they beat them, and they'd do things that were harsh because that's what everybody did back then. Society was different. Even earlier in America, weren't we a lot harsher than we are today? Mm -hmm. So we read the persecution, which is really just prosecution. I think the word, if you look it up, means to pursue. That's prosecuting someone. That's what they're doing. It's pursuing someone for a legal battle, you know, bringing them to court. That's what the prosecuting attorney did. In America, when you're arrested, you would go to the courthouse. Same's true in the Bible. When you get arrested, you go to the tabernacle, which later became the temple. Yeah, okay. You know, the buildings even look the same. <laughs> Strange, yeah, right? <laughs> they're, 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 the, they're definitely a, um, 
They, <laughs> they're a feature of the land for sure. Yeah. They're, yeah. In America, when a criminal is sent to the courthouse, they go to the courthouse jail. Same is true in the Bible. Sent to the, when a sinner is sent to the temple, they would go to the temple ward, mm. right? And they put them in ward that the mind of Yehovah might be showed unto them. Mm. Not much different. It's a judicial system. In America, after you pay your court costs, you go to trial in the courtroom. Here, you'd pay a lawyer who would enter a plea for you, right? He'd be before a judge who wears a long black robe and then you'd hear witnesses, facts, and evidence. All this is before a jury. The Bible's not much different. After you pay your heave offering, you would go to trial in the holy place. Now, I think it was the holy place originally because there wasn't any other place to go to. That's all that was there. Uh, as Israel got bigger, obviously it's now at the Sanhedrin in different places, but it spread. This is more evidence that Israel spread and grew. But I think because it says, and when he goes into the holy place, he's supposed to wear the breastplate of judgment. Huh. He's making a judgment when he goes in there. Who is he judging? <laughs> it just, that's the only thing, reason I think that, but I, it just makes sense to me. So they'd have an intercessor who'd make a prayer for relief on their behalf mm. before the judge, who's the priest. It's kind of the same thing, whether it's in the holy place or not, it, it, it's kind of irrelevant to me. It doesn't matter, but I think it was. So the intercessor is the attorney. Yes, the intercessor is the attorney. Hmm. That's what it means. It, they're interceding on your behalf. That's what an attorney does. Okay, it's always at the mouth of two or three witnesses. So there's witnesses, facts, and evidence, just like we do. And it was before the congregation as a jury. No different. Makes sense. So we're, we're doing the same stuff in America. In America, if you're found guilty by the judge, you will have to pay a fine. This fine, it might be a monetary fine, prison time, or even the death penalty. Bible does a very similar thing. In the Bible, if you're found guilty by the priest, you will have to pay a sacrifice. You would have to make a payment in meat. In some cases, you might get the death penalty. They do the same thing. That's what the sin offering and trespassing are for. As you can see, America practices the same sacrificial system that the Bible does. In America, we have the police to enforce the law. The Bible has the high priest servant. In America, we have crimes. The Bible has sins. In America, we have criminals. The Bible has sinners. In America, we have a courthouse. The Bible has a temple. In America, there's a courtroom. The Bible has a holy place. In America, there's a judge. The Bible has the high priest. In America, there's the bench. The Bible has an altar. In mm. America, there are lawyers. The Bible has intercessors. In America, you have pleas. The Bible has prayers. In America, you have court costs. The Bible has heave offerings. In America, you have fines. The Bible has sacrifices. In America, we call it the judicial system. The Bible calls it the Levitical priesthood. Mm. We, we built the same system in America. Looks a little different, but yep. it's pretty much the same system. Pretty much the same system. So the judicial system in America, it's a tiered system, has various levels. The Supreme Court's at the top, and then we have many appellate courts below it, and then there are district courts across the land. You start out at the district courts, and you can peel all the way up to the Supreme Court. Bible's no different. 
At the top, we have the temple. Well, they made it rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. They judged the people at all seasons. At the top, you have the temple. Then you have rulers of thousands and rulers of hundreds. And then you have rulers of fifties and rulers of tens. I should have put it in here, but Philo describes the appellate court trial when it comes to the law of a jealous husband, uh, Numbers chapter five. He describes it as starting out in the local level, tearing all the way up to get to the temple. So are any one of these levels on the Bible side, are any of these the gates of the city? Oh yes, all of them are. Okay. The gates of the city is where they held all their business. Think about it as town center. Mm, okay. Pretty much what it was. So it's not literally a bunch of guys standing around at the gate. No. They're, 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 there's a facility there. It's there official that, business. See, that's okay. the problem. We, we read it like that, and it yeah. sounds like that, because they're writing in the scriptures, assuming we can fill in all the gaps, because that's what everybody knew. It was the, everybody knew about the gate of the city. King David went down there. Mm. You know, it's, it's where all the, you know, elders and the Levites and the priesthood and... So this will be your municipal, your your city hall or something to that effect. Pretty much, yes. So you can start at the bottom and you can tear all the way up. And like I said, Philo describes this. He describes tearing all the way up to the temple to get Mm. a judgment. So not everybody went to the temple for everything. No, just that like would, no, not everybody goes to the Supreme Court for everything. Right, that was, that was the problem <laughs> that, uh, that was seen with Moses. Everybody's going to Moses. Yeah, he couldn't handle it. And he couldn't handle it, yeah. And so, Jethro, who was right. Jethro? A priest of Midian. Right. Advised him how to build a priesthood. Right. And he built it out of the elders, because originally priesthoods were elderships. They were the elders of the nation, and it teared up, just like Moses described. Then I'm going to guess the golden calf is what caused the Levites to be. I mean, it's speculative because it doesn't yeah. directly say, but that's probably what caused this. And so they became the priesthood. Mm. So this is the sacrificial system. It's a tiered system. See those altars of earth? In Exodus 20, verse four, it says, an altar of earth you shall make. And then it says, in all places, plural, where I put my name. Plural. Hmm. He's talking about several altars. Why do we have two different altars? If it's only in the temple or tabernacle, why not just the brazen altar? Why do we need those other ones? Most people just make an assumption, that, well, that was just the common altars before. It doesn't say that. It's Exodus 20. Right, after, right in the middle of the covenant. The covenant started in Exodus 19. <laughs> right. It just doesn't make sense to say that. So I, I don't really believe that. I just think it's a system that works together. That's so interesting. Those people thought about those that. All, and I'm actually going to cover this in the next one to go into more detail um, to, to help us to see that. But it's a tiered system. Hmm. It's a temple system. I think you came up with that name when we were talking earlier. It's the temple system. Yeah, and not just the temple. It yeah, is a temple it's system. It's a tem- temple system. It regulates food. It, it's a hospital. It, it does everything that we do in America just a little differently. In some ways, what we're doing is probably okay. The spirit of the law allows for growth and change. America's way bigger than Israel ever was. I mean, comparatively by numbers and size and land, we're just bigger. Hmm. It's going to have to function different, just like under King Solomon and Moses. It's got to be different. And just like today where we have some righteous rulers and judges and, and then on the, you know, on the other side, we see all the corruption happening, yeah. but it's simultaneous. You'd have to think that in the Bible, that same thing happened. There weren't 
periods of everybody was good and everybody was bad. <laughs> yeah, no. was, I'm sure they had their, their problems as well where, yeah, that judge is great, but make sure you don't go before that judge yeah. because they're, gonna be impar- they're not going to be impartial and all that kind of nonsense. Yeah, they, we, again, we can't assume they were perfect because right. they weren't. I mean, the Bible is very clear about Israel's sin and their problems. Hmm. And we, we want to put this perfection on Israel they're just the example. The blessings they have is God gave them the scriptures. Paul said that. They have the oracles of God. Yep. That's the blessing they had. They had it written down so they knew what to do. That was the advantage, yeah, Paul said. Yeah, the advantage, yes. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm just going to see it as that. And all their good things I want to learn from. But I want to look at it in the spirit of the law because America can do them in some ways. So the question I have is, are we still to follow this same system today? America, in America, the judge sits in a seat of judgment. It's called a judge's seat. It is here where each sentence was given. In the Bible, the priest would sit in Moses' seat. Mm. Have you ever heard a topic on Moses' seat? Yes, Michael talks about it all the time. Oh, yeah. Moses sat to judge the people. It comes from Exodus 18. That's when he built the priesthood, and that's when Jethro gave him the plan. Mm -hmm. That's where this all comes from, Moses' seat. This was in the synagogues and the high places. Everywhere they were giving judgments. It's true, on the Sabbath they taught from there. But what they do during the rest of their week? It's the Bema seat. Hmm. It's the judgment seat. The Messiah confirmed in Matthew 23 that we are still to follow this. Look what he said. Then spake uh, Yeshua to the multitude and to his disciples saying, the scribes and Pharisees said in Moses' seat, all therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do, but do not after their works, for they say and do not. He's saying, hey, when they're sitting on that seat and they give you a judgment, you better do it. Well, that's a commandment of God. He commanded when the judge gives a sentence, you do it. And our Messiah was the perfect example. Was he not innocent? Right. Did he follow the sentence anyways? He kept God's law in doing that. Right. I find that amazing. And at the same time, he's saying that some of these judges are corrupt. So don't, you know, they don't act as though, or they they don't, uh, um, what am I trying to say? They don't do as they are judging. Yes, they don't. So we have these Pharisees who are living poorly. Yeah. But their judgment might be right. Right. And we have that in America. Some judges, they may be living a very poor quality life. and yeah. But if their judgment's right, that's what really matters. They don't walk the walk is what I was yes. trying to say. Yeah. yeah. So today we do practice this same system. It's the same system. We call it the civil service. Mm. The Bible called it the service of the Levites. It's the same system. We built the same system here in America. Wow. And we do it. And actually next episode, kind of going to go over that a little bit more. Some of this will be repetitive, but a lot more detailed. Okay. So, well, looking forward to that. Okay, so we're getting an extra. We didn't plan to do this. We planned on doing four episodes. We're going to do five. That's great. So wonderful. Thank you for sticking around. And thank you for sticking around. So we'll see you next week for the conclusion of this series with Steve Siefkin. It's been great. I've learned a lot. Lots of things to think about here. A lot different than maybe what we've learned uh, even in Messianic circles. So come back and learn some more. We'll see you next week. Until then, Shabbat Shalom.